looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Pass the Post. It's Sunday, April 4, but we're past the post for Saturday, April 3. Another great day of racing at Rose Hill Gardens as we march through the Autumn Carnival. We now head towards the Championships at Royal Ramwick over the next two Saturdays. But yesterday, Group 1 Racing saw the Tancred Stakes and also the Vinery Stud Stakes. It was the Great Eastern Steeplechase at Oak Bank. We're going to profile that. We had a good meeting at Caulfield, the Victoria Handicap and the Easter Cup. And, of course, we raced at Eagle Farm. Jared Wessel joins me in the studio this morning. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, David. Uh, yeah, really exciting uh, day of racing in all four states. Uh, Obviously, the, the two Group 1s in Sydney, the highlight, but um, a couple of very, very good backup cards as well. Certainly was. Most importantly, don't worry about all that. Did you win on the punt? I ended up with my nose in front, so I'll, I'll take that. Um, Sydney was, was a little bit tough, but um, fortunately... I tipped disgracefully yesterday. One winner out of nine. But I did find a $26 yeah, value with it. Yeah, so I had a small note on it, so... That certainly saved the day. Let's hope you had a winning day, and thanks for your company this morning. Let's get straight into it, and we'll go to Rose Hill Gardens first up, and we're going to have a listen to the Tancred Stakes at Group 1 level the field really bunches approaching the home corner and it's Spur Ridge just the leader. Spur Ridge turns in front of Toffee Tongue, Angel of Truth then sounds the Dragon A's out running on running on well and further back to the chosen one Melody Bells right down the outside six off the lead so Dragon A takes the front now at the 250 and race two lengths clear from Spur Ridge Toffee Tongue, Angel of Truth, Melody Bell too far back by the looks of it but it well clear so Dragon A inside the 100 metres a great backup from the big Big run last week, and so Dragon A wins the Tancred. She's ideal, got up to run second. Miami bound home into third in front of Spirit Ridge Toffee Tongue. Then Southern France, Melody Bell Angel of Truth. Further back to Shapata from Nickajack Cave. A gap back in the field to sound from the chosen one. Mirage Dancer dropped out, and so did Shraro. The Cox play winner was back to his best uh, at Group 1 level in the Tancred yesterday, stamping his authority on the race over that last 200 metres, and he beat them comfortably, Glenn Boss riding. Kieran Maher and David Eustace, of course, in training partnership. And Kieran's been kind enough to join us this morning. Good morning, Kieran. Congratulations. Morning. What about uh, history serves as well? You look at horses that have won the Cox Plate and the Tancred Double. You, you talk about Maccabi Diva, Might and Power, Kingston Town, Bone Crusher, our poetic prince. So he sits amongst good company, doesn't he? Yeah, when you, when, you, when you make it sound like that, yeah, he, he definitely does. Uh... No, he's a great horse, and um, it's really good, uh, you know, having having him back to his best yesterday, and uh, and looking forward to the Queen Elizabeth. We saw the Cox Plate. We saw him in the Melbourne Cup. This time in, he hasn't been able to win. Just just tell us, how was your confidence going to yesterday? Were you what were you thinking after this preparation so far? Uh, well, I was quite confident yesterday. Obviously, it was a um, you know, probably a, a weaker field, obviously a lot weaker than what he contested the week before. Um, and just the way the horse the horse has gone through the preparation. He was a little bit fresh at Mooney Valley. He was a little bit fresh again last week at, uh, in the Randvet. And I was just quite keen to see him in the mounting yard. And, you know, he was quite relaxed. And um, he, he's quite an amazing horse, actually, the amount of work he... He requires to, to sort of keep him in the right frame of mind. It's quite extraordinary. It was uh, 
a good watch if you're on Sir Dragon, eh? Uh, Boss used that barrier one to full advantage, put it into a great spot. It was probably an advantage being near the inside yesterday at Rose Hill, but apart from that, uh, he navigated the path out at the right time and never looked like losing, really. No, he didn't. No, Bossy was um, absolute. Uh, he pulled out a pearler there, and um, you know he had the right horse to do it, and uh, he rode him accordingly. So You're he's so- um, he's tracking along nicely to that to that hundred group ones as well. Mm, exactly. I see he was uh, he quoted this morning, and it's probably a fair comment too. We've spoken to Glenn a few times on this program, and he can pull out the the big ones, the the, the group ones. But as he says and says himself, he said. Sometimes he finds it hard to get a ride just in normal races, but uh, by gee, the the the, the talent, the excellence is still there. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, you know, you know, like he won a Group One last week, he won one mm. this week. Uh, he just keeps, he just keeps doing it, Glenn. So, um, no, it's great. He's got a good association with with our team and and with the horse. There's always been a bit of chatter about this horse surrounding him that uh, he's better or he's more effective on wet tracks than dry tracks. And I suppose you can use the argument the other way. Is he not as good on the dry? But he dispelled any of that that or that theory yesterday. Uh, well, like he, he's running the Melbourne Cup on top of the ground was, was very, very good. Mm. And that two miles probably right at the top of the distant range. So, um, yeah, like he... he you know, there's no doubt he, he he's at his best, but given the track, but um, yeah, as we've seen a couple of times now, he he, he can handle um, he can handle given the given the track, but I suppose um, you know early in the campaign when we'll run him over fourteen and sixteen hundred, um, yeah, you know, he probably he probably does need it very well. I think it's great for racing. We saw that, that clash with Very Elegant and uh, Adeo last Saturday. So we're going to see it again, but now your fellow's in the mix as well. It really sets up for the, well, certainly, I think, the highlight of the carnival. Yeah, it does. And um, just knowing the horse, he should improve again. So, um, uh, you know, the more racing, the more work he has, the better he goes. So, um, yeah, um, you know, obviously... Uh, very elegant and a day they're, they're world class and and, uh, and he is too so uh, really looking forward to a couple of weeks time yeah exactly right well, congratulations on yesterday just before we let you go just looking towards the future of course our carnival up here in Brisbane isn't too far away have you got anything mapped out any any horses that are actually on the agenda at this stage for Brisbane uh, for Brisbane I thought um, the horse that finished in the finished Third, the horse that finished third in the Newmarket Amish Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought he profiled up really well for a race like Stradbroke. Um, handicapped three-year-old. Um, yeah, you know, like there's a, it's a really nice program up there for the three-year-old. So I thought he could be a Stradbroke horse. All right, we'll have a look out for him. But once again, congratulations to yourself and all of the connections and David for yesterday's win. Great triumph. No worries. Thanks very much. Kieran Ma joining us this morning, the trainer or co-trainer of Sir Dragon Day. Did you give him a chance yesterday? Well, he, he looked to be the, the obviously the class horse in the race. He carried that number one saddle cloth. Um, the, the dry track had to be a bit of a query, but as, as Kieran outlined there, he's running the Melbourne Cup was very good when perhaps he just didn't really stay that, uh, that strong two miles. So... 
Uh, he was he was very very good yesterday. He was a strong winner uh, in the end. So uh, all credit to him. Couple of good runs there in behind Miami Bound. Ran home well up to twenty four hundred meters. And uh, also one who who might not have been as glamorous a finish, but Nicker Jack Cave, who was first up for a fair while for Peter Moody and Luke Nolan, I thought ran, ran really really well. And a race like the uh, the Sydney Cup, well and truly on the radar for him. Yeah, she's ideal. Uh, ran well. Um, Paul Joyce was selecting it to win yesterday, and uh, she ran a terrific race. Now, as far as the Sydney Cup's concerned, she's twenty-one to sixteen, and Miami bound fifteen into nine. Now, Sir Dragon A, he, he goes from fifteen to eleven in the Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, I, I know, I know that you're sort of thinking, well, there's already t- two spots taken for the top three, barring bad luck. One would think very elegant a day are going to be in the top three. Eleven dollars seems still fairly generous to me. Well, he's the Cox Plate winner, and, and in the end, if we, if we get a, a wet track, I know that benefits them as well. But yeah, back to two thousand metres, um, you'd be braver man than me to uh, to write him off. He was five dollars fifty there yesterday, uh, as you say, as a Cox Plate winner. But I suppose, and we you know we put this to Kieran this morning that uh, I think a lot of people, not saying the jury was out, but they're just wondering, you know, was he going to recapture winning form again? We, certainly, I think that was the case. It's fair to say he was disappointing in his, his two Melbourne runs. Maybe a little bit off the hype of that troll. We saw him win that troll mm. at the start of his campaign. And and um, there were some comments made there by Glenn Boss, you know, really wrapping this horse. So maybe he just had a, a little bit too much uh, shine on him early on. And, and as Kieran said there, maybe just needs a couple of runs to really uh, bring him on and, and get him to where he needs to be. And he was well and truly where he needed to be yesterday. Yeah, he was a, he's now a dual Group 1 winner here in Australia, the Cox Plate and the Tanker. The other Group 1 was the Vinery Stud. This is a traditional lead-up to the Oaks in a fortnight's time. Let's have a listen to the replay. Harmony Rose was the favourite into the straight and Harmony Rose is really starting to up the ante now and at the 350 opens up three lengths and Elizabeth Hungry Hearts coming out of the pack the only one coming out of the pack Harmony Rose two lengths clear Hungry Heart goes to second trying to get on terms with Harmony Rose who's a length and a half to Hungry Heart they're well clear from the rest Hungry's coming Harmony Rose and Hungry Heart Hungry Heart goes to Harmony Rose and Hungry Heart big win Hungry Hearts come from well back to beat the favourite Harmony Rose Impecunious third, followed then by Princess Rainus, then came Starrell from Force of Will, dropping out of it after the gun run was personal. From uh, Elizabeth, Love Sensation, and Miraval was gone at an early stage, dropped out to finish last. Hungry Heart uh, overhauling Harmony Rose late in the piece. They beat the others pretty comfortably. Always, always fascinated by what Chris Wallace says when he uh, when he's quoted on things. You, you read it with interest and you take respect with it. Well, he said with this horse, Hungry Heart, he said confidence is a wonderful thing, whether it be horse, human, whatever, and whatever whatever field. And this horse probably was becoming a bit of a non-winner, all of a sudden won the far lap, and with that confidence behind it, bang, back to back. I think that might certainly be the case. She had that run of seconds um, in good races in the spring, uh, and then the two runs back this time, both on softer tracks, um, both okay, but, yeah, back on the firm track of a last start in the far lap, as you said, uh, really uh, charged home there. And again, yesterday off that really solid speed, 37.50 the last 600 metres. So Harmony Rose did really turn it into a a, um, a fast run 2,000 metres and tried to find a, a few of them out, which she basically did. She found, um, well, eight of the other nine rivals out and, and one was just a little bit too good. Hungry Heart charging home. Uh, Impecunious ran third. I thought she was solid from the back. And uh, Princess uh, Rahini, or Rayanais, um I thought she was good as well at only start three. Uh, she was doing her best work late. Mm. 
the, the Oaks is on in a fortnight's time, the Australian Oaks. It's interesting because Montefilia is the favourite at 450. Um, Amaral Arena at five with Harmony Rose and Hungry Hut at $5.06. But, of course, Montefilia, I'm fairly certain, is going to the Derby next Saturday. So it will be interesting to see if um, uh, the trainer elects to, to back it up, uh, you know, on the seven days, which she could well do. She's a tough thing. Well, certainly so. Um Interesting to see her go back up to that that stone trip. I know those those um, obviously the, the three year old staying features are, are there for the for that age group. But she was beaten in the Oaks as a short price favorite in Melbourne in the spring, and um, a couple of or they they said that maybe she didn't run the trip. But then in another six months, maybe she's um, become a little bit more seasoned, and yeah, she's certainly um, right in the mix next Saturday if she runs out that strong twenty four hundred. Mm. How many rows? Uh, I think even Mark Newham. Uh was of the opinion that maybe Josh Parr went a little too quickly, and the, the times tend to back that up. They went two two oh six, and as you outlined, thirty seven five the last six hundred. So she was really uh, she was going to be vulnerable after running such a strong first what fourteen hundred meters. Certainly so, and I certainly wouldn't reel her out in, in an Oaks in a, a couple of weeks' time, just being rated a little bit better in front and. You had to admire the way she fought on yesterday. She was really, really game and, and only overhauled in the last last few strides. Let's go to the Emancipations. Our next replay from Rose Hill Gardens yesterday, a Group 2 event, and Chrome was looking to extend her winning streak, but bookmakers in the end gambled against her. Graceful glamour. McDonald goes full board now inside the 400 metres. Nimalee coming off the fence to give chase. Arathia giving ground from Sweet Deal and Crone's taking a run back to the inside. She's still two or three off the lead. It's Graceful Glamour being tested now by Nimalee. Graceful Glamour and Nimalee stride for stride. Quantum Mechanic Rich Hips late, but Nimalee takes the lead and Nimalee wore down Graceful Glamour. Quantum Mechanic getting up to run third in front of Ice Bath. They're followed in by All Saints Eve from Crone. It was a grinding performance today. Then came Amika from Sweet Deal, and Arathia dropped out of it. Yes, Nima Lee for uh, Matt Smith winning the race. Rachel King, the rider, running down Graceful Glamour. And quite a mechanic in third position. Crone officially seventh. Uh, back on the dry, maybe? Not, not as... Not as suited or not as not as effective, maybe. Yeah, she was a a little bit flat. I mean, she was still beaten only just over two lengths, um, but uh, yeah, maybe just back on that that firmer, much firmer track. Um, maybe just yeah, a little bit too a little bit too dry for her. I thought she she still ran, you know, okay. The I think the um, the story is the punters well and truly knew here the best two backed ran one two, and this is where we started to to see that that inside mm. inside part up on the, the speed as well was the place you really wanted to be. Graceful Glamour led and, and Emily trailed and, and went um, went on by her. So I think that was uh, probably where we started to see that pattern really uh, develop. Yeah, I think there was was definitely uh, inside bias and probably being up on speed as well. But Rachel King certainly exploited that, uh, the, those conditions. And um, she had one plan in mind, get behind your leader, Graceful Glamour, who'll take you into the race. And she executed it beautifully. So Nimalee winning there was a $4.20 chance. Let's have a listen now to the third race of the day. This is the Tullock Stakes, Group 2 for the male three-year-olds. 
Yale Town leads at the 300 by a length and a half on Fields of Honour. Young Werther's winding up. The frontman battles on and then came further back to Cherry Tortoni. Has still got work to do. Yale Town is a length and a half clear from Young Werther and then Prompt Prodigy. Yale Town in front of Prompt Prodigy. Young Werther and Yale Town will lead all the way. Yale Town won it from Prompt Prodigy and Young Werther. Then Fabro followed by Zach Speed. Cherry Tortoni was grinding all the way up the straight. Just a Jedi next. Followed by the frontman from Rondino and Fields of Honor last home. Well, again, a good case in point in front on the rail. Yale Town uh, doing it all of the way. Yes, um, up front rolling along. And, and another one who looked like uh, he was really going to be claimed probably 150 metres from home, but he kicked hard and, and maybe that inside bias um, helped him out a little bit as well. But he was the winner and all honours to him. And, Interesting to see if they decide to back up next week into the derby. Obviously, the, the Tullock's got a really good record now uh, with these horses that win and, and back up. And you look at recent years, Angel of Truth and Quick Thinker, Quick Thinker last year as well. So it'd be interesting to see if they want to follow that plan. Um, from behind him, Young Werther ran on solidly uh, without saying he was outstanding. And Cherry Tortoni probably falls into that same basket as well. So um, up in trip again next week, maybe they improve. But... Um, yeah, interesting to see how this race... Uh, well, it usually doesn't seem that strong a, a form race when we watch it, but more often than not, it seems to stand up. Times are interesting, and this goes, goes back to Hungry Hearts race. Now, uh, Yale Town was able to dictate in front. Tim Clark ran the trip in 2.3.74, home in 35.45. Compare that to the girls in the Vinery. They went 2.206, so they went about 1.7 seconds faster. So I think, again... Comparing those times, the run of Harmony Rose, even though beaten, she'd lose no admirers because she really set a cracking tempo. Exactly right. Talk about races that are, are two complete opposites. They sprinted home uh, more than two seconds faster in the Tullock. And, and yeah, he was able to get a, a really cruisy time up front, Yale Town, um, by Vancouver. Not a, mm. Although we haven't seen that much of his stock so far, you wouldn't think he's a, a derby sire um, as a stallion, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Certainly will. Uh, Yale Town, $15 in the Australian Derby. We were mentioning Modophilia earlier. She's co-favourite with Skylab at $5. The Kiwi Rocket Spade at 8. Cherry Tortoni, we mentioned 11. Favreau, 11. Lions Roar, 11. Young Werther, 11. And then we gave $15 out after that. So that was yesterday, of course, uh, Yao Dash. We saw him uh, Magic Millions time. Was good on the Doncaster Prelude. Again, out in front, leading all the way. Yeah, dominant, dominant win by Yao Dash, and he was another who was well backed. Um, and yeah, interested to see how he goes if they if they decide to back up next week. Um, it was very, very impressive. One other as well, good to see Wisdom of Water back uh, to somewhere near his best form, having his first start for Annabelle Nisham. He was very game, finishing second to uh, Signore Fox in the uh, the Star Kingdom. So hopefully, we can see him back in the winner's circle shortly. Yeah, exactly right. Um... Just looking at that Doncaster market, Mugger two four dollars fifty, Moanga at six, think it over eight, Aegon thirteen, thirteen Avilius, Yadash thirteen dollars after yesterday, and then seventeen dollars a wider after that. So a big day coming up next Saturday at uh, at Royal Ramwick, first day of the championships. We've got the Derby, the Doncaster, the Sires, the TJ Smith Country Championships final, and uh, they are the big the big five Group Ones. But a big ten race card next Saturday at uh, Royal Randwick. Let's turn our attention now to Caulfield yesterday, traditionally racing on the Easter weekend, and traditionally the, the features are the Victoria Handicap and the Easter Cup. Let's go to the Victoria Handicap first up.
Homeward bound. Morvada moving up to Cuba. They straighten with Bams on fire. Three out. Biometric. Still a star chiming in. Pretty Brazen's under the pump from Age of Chivalry. Bams on fire in front. Biometric looking for the run. The Tasmanian still a star. And here comes Quickie. Mr. Quickie with a mighty run. Mr. Quickie after still a star. Still a star in front. Mr. Quickie grabbed it in the shadows and won it. Mr. Quickie last stride from still a star and Galaxy Raider from Riddle Me That. Then Biometric. They were followed by Age of Chivalry iconoclasm be good to your mother never again bams on fire behind those Morvada Keats a long way back in the field grey worm pretty brazen munitions and Cuba last in well Mr Quickie he had the big weight um, in what's becoming uh, his, his new racing pattern he got back and he flashed home uh, managing owner Wiley Dalziel uh, is joining us now good morning Wiley G'day, mate. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Congratulations on yesterday. Um, watching the race, as I said, he was, he was well back. He had the big weight. Uh, the speed was on. What were your thoughts as the uh, the race was unfolding? Um, yeah, look, we were wrapped um, during the day. They were starting to get down the middle and run on and from wide barriers. So our confidence um, some grew, grew a bit during the day. And um, Benny gave him a good ride. Obviously, you know, he had to do it a little bit tough. But um, when he sort of got to the 400 metre mark and he started, he uh, started coming really well. I thought he's a big chance. And then uh, I knew he toughed it out. I knew he was down in grade, you know, Group One horse against um, Lesser Company, and yeah, he toughed it out and got to the line and won the race nicely. Yeah, he had the big weight, 60 and a half kilos. Um, Grey Worm in that 58, but away from that, he, he had to give the field, um, you know, five, six kilos, and he gave them an absolute beating in the end. Yeah, no, he certainly did. Look, he's a, he's a class horse. Um, we contemplated going to the Doncaster, um, which we originally were, and then Philip Stokes and myself had a bit of a chat about it and thought, geez, it'd be good just to just to drop him down in grade and just give him a win. I mean, he's been running so well in Group 1 races, um, competing at the highest level. He's only you know, won since the Queensland Derby, the one race, which was the Turak, but he's always run placings and run well. So we just thought, let's lower the bar, give him a couple of, couple of runs at lesser level and try and get a couple of wins. Um, which he's done yesterday, so hopefully we'll go to the Vobus Gold race um, in two weeks' time, and he'll be he'll be he'll get a bit of weight there, but he'll still be well in at the weights in a restricted race, and hopefully we can win that one, and uh, hopefully head up to to Brisbane. Yeah, the straight broke on the agenda, fourteen hundred metres, similar to yesterday. He's going to have a little bit of weight, but speed on might just be right up his alley. Yeah, well, that's what we sort of discussed when we um, we, we thought with the weather in Sydney being wet, he definitely doesn't handle the wet. Um, Jamie Carr made it really clear, all-star mile day, that was his undoing, the wet track, so um, we weren't sure what was going to happen there. It's obviously a, the Doncaster's won by a lot of lightweights as well, so that's why we just thought, let's change the bar, and then when we had a look at the Stradbroke and did a bit of research, it suits horses that sort of like the mile, and um, it's usually run at a fast clip. It's a big track, he's been there once before and won the Derby, so we just thought, geez, it, it might be a nice race, and, and probably more importantly too, his 1,400 metre stats um, and his fresh record is um, is outstanding. So we just thought that wanted a crack at the, the Stradbroke. You're not wrong. Now seven starts, 1,400, four wins and two minor placings. It's a very interesting horse. He, he started out his career. He looked like he was going to be a, a, a real stayer. Obviously, as you say, he won the, the derby up here. And, and it was that run in the Maccabi Diva at the start of his four-year-old um, season. I know a lot of punters will remember that. He absolutely rocketed home off a fast tempo. Was that the point where you started to think he, he's not just a stayer, he may be fresh at around that 1,400-mile mark, might just be up his, that might be his go? Yeah, well, look, um, he is, he's such a versatile horse. And, um, you know, people thought we were mad. He actually got a spot in the Melbourne Cup. He was 23 in order of entry. Um, 
when he ran second in the Mooney Valley Cup and people thought we were mad. And I, I always go back to my trainers and, and obviously Peter Moody helps me with the bloodstock and manage horses. And now that he's training, he's obviously going to be training a few for us. But I always bounce stuff off moods. And, and after the Mooney Valley Cup, Luke Nolan got off too and they convinced he wasn't a stayer, which was hard for a few of the owners to sort of uh, to fathom. You know, like they said, he, he's not really a genuine staying horse. He's probably more more of a miler, you know. So that's when we started to sort of change plans. We actually thought we'll target him for the All-Star Mile um, that year. And, uh, yeah, we sort of thought, well, his best range could be a mile. Then we sort of thought uh, maybe a Cox Plate um, was on the agenda. And that's when he sort of put in a, a bit of an average run when Damien Lane rode him in the Turnbull, I think it was. And we decided, let's come back to a mile. So I sort of discussed it with uh, with. Anthony Miffin and uh, again bounced it off a few people and we came back to the Turak. So I always bounce it off the trainers and I said to Philip, what do you think? And he liked him as a miler. Um, so he went for the Turak, he won that. And then since he sort of won that, we sort of pegged him as a miler. And then when we said, okay, why don't we come back to 1400, which a few of the um, people were doubting yesterday, thinking coming back to 1400, they were going to be a bit sharp for him. But um, I just think when I looked at his stats before we thought about it and made the decision, I thought, well, his 1400 metre stats tell us that he can do it, um, and and Philip mm. will train him accordingly. That's the more important part, you know. Like if he knows he's training him for, to, to be sort of fourteen hundred to sixteen hundred, he'll he'll train him accordingly, and he's very good at doing that. Well, exactly right. I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight, but you look at that Turak win, carried fifty nine and, and won by two lengths, and and as you say, his last two fourteen hundred metre runs, he ran third, of course, to two very good mares, first up in the Futurity, and also second to Behemoth in the Memsey in the spring. Um, yep. Looking towards the spring, um, he's obviously going to get a, a bit of weight in a few of these um, these handicaps. Is there a weight for age part that you can sort of plot with him? Yeah, we, to be honest, we haven't really thought about yet that yet. We'll probably just um, you know get him to this next race and then head. You know, hopefully he wins that and then heads to the Stradbroke. And then I'll, I, I always sort of like to talk to Philip first as the trainer to see yep. how he's feeling and what he thinks. And he's got um, you know a couple of people there that map things out for him. Um, and then I usually, you know, like to bounce it off moods as well you know, as a bit of an advisor. And then Nigel, Austin and Anthony Mithin from Rosemont have got a good share in him too. So we sort of just, um, at the end of the day, they do sort of throw it back to me a little bit to sort of decide and make the final decision. But as I said, I think if you work closely with your trainers, they know their horses. And so we'll, we'll have a chat to Philip as well and just see which, which what we do for the um, spring. We, we think he, being a gelding, you know, he might be a nice horse for the Magic Millions uh, race day too, um, but yeah. you know if you go that way, you've got to you've got to think about the autumn again because it sort of can interrupt your autumn. So um, we just thought we'll get into the Stratty, give him a bit of a spell up there as we did after the Queensland Derby, and then we'll um, yeah we'll have a bit of a chat after Stratty what we think for the spring. But he's such a versatile horse. Um, he just he, he just loves to have a stable full of him. Gives you yeah. gives you a thrill every time he goes around. Exactly right. Well, hopefully he marches on through that Vobus race and we'll be we'll be looking forward to seeing him up here in Queensland. Just a couple of others. Aqua Girl ran them along earlier on in the day. She's really st- stuck on really well to uh, to dead heat for fourth. Yeah, she's a really handy filly. She's group three placed already, so she's already valuable. So um, she tries hard and she probably just, yeah, just got tired late last, uh, got, got tired a bit late. So Philip said she'll improve off the back of that, but we're going to go to Adelaide with her and target a couple of the... Um, the group races in Adelaide and try and get some more black type into her pedigree. Um, yeah, she's just a nice filly. We only paid 60000 for her, so she's certainly done a job, and all the owners were very happy there yesterday.
He was a really hot uh, three-year-old handicap as well. Um, a number in there with good form. And just one other ancestry. Um, we saw him uh, finish just out of the placings off that, that fast tempo at Mornington. Is, is he finished for this preparation or is there another one in him? No, no, he's definitely still going. We probably learned something there, probably not to back him up. Um, yep. The seven-day backup definitely didn't work. It's probably not a good recipe for sprinters like him after we chatted to a couple of other people that sort of suggested space his runs out. So he will run most likely at Caulfield in the Ballasprey Stakes. I think it's on the 17th. Yep. And then he will then head to um, Adelaide. I think it's the Mackay, which is a Group 3. And providing he sort of wins those, we'll give him a crack at the, uh, the Goodwood. Um, we actually thought he'd be a good Doombin 10,000 horse or a Goodwood horse, but I believe they're on the same day. So I said to Philip, you know, which way do you want to go? And obviously having his Adelaide base, uh, knowing Adelaide very well, he felt that the Goodwood... So if he could win win a couple of stakes races and warrant a crack at, a, at the Goodwood, then we'll definitely go that way. Well, exciting times, uh, no doubt, for you and the team. Congratulations again on yesterday, and, and we'll look forward to seeing Mr Quickie up here in the uh, in the Stradbroke. Absolutely. Good on Jared. Thanks for the chat, mate. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Wiley Dalziel there. Sorry. And, and uh, yeah, all honours to, uh, to Mr Quickie, 60 and a half, and stormed on by. What I like is uh, they've got a definite plan. It's, it's they're locked in, running that race on Vober State Caulfield, fresh then for the Stradbroke, so they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, we, and, and ticks a lot of boxes, doesn't he? Like, exactly right. Won, an Eagle, won the Derby at Eagle Farm back in 2018. Good fresh, good 1,400 metres. You outlined that stat there. He's $15, and those Stradbroke markets went up on tab last Monday. So if you like Mr Quiggy, he's $15 currently there for the Stradbroke. What about, uh, of course, he's going to that Vobus Day, um, some partners will have bad memories from last year. Remember, yes. he was beaten last year. Yes, we do have bad memories um, of him last year. So, oh, I, interested to see that they talk about, or Wiley spoke about there about how Philip can train him to, uh, you know, to. I think the two thousand meter race might be the race they're going to if if that's the race, and then and as you say, freshen up and as you see, he's got that turn of foot. He, he's very very tough, so he, he sounds like the perfect racehorse, really. He's one of those horses, I think, with the, I think it's like set weights and penalties, so uh, he'll probably look a graded certainty in the race, and, and it'll be at short odds. But uh, anyway, that's that's ahead for him. But yesterday, he was brilliant there in the, the Victoria Handicap. The other Group 3 was the Easter Cup. Let's have a listen to the replay. And the home straight at the 400. La Donde V shown the persuader just in front. Good idea. Serving it up and takes the lead. A length and a half to Harlem coming on from Mongolian Marshall. Then came Mahamadeus and Persan starting to run on with down the outside Hangman. Persan going after them with Hangman and Mahamadeus from Amaday. Hangman and Persan. Persan, Hangman, Hangman just in front of Persan. Hangman wins the cup from Persan, Mahamadeus and Amaday. Behind those was Harlem. Good idea. And it was a great finish. Vow and Declare. They were followed by Constantinople, Mongolian Marshal. La Donde V had a sh- uh, dropped out in the straight well back in the field then. Home by Midnight. They were followed by Night's Watch, The Doctor's Son, Spanish Reef and Kentucky Breeze. Yes, Hangman winning the Group 3 Easter Cup beating Persan. Uh, strong finish from a long way back but uh, this race was run very fast time. Two minutes point three three. Yeah, they went very, very hard um, which, which might have found a, a few of those uh, pace setters out. Um, one of those races where a couple of them had weight down to Clare 59.5 and a half and and Persan there as well with 50. I thought he ran really, really well. Where it just looked like one of these down on the um, the, the 54 was just going to pick their way through and, and win it. And Hangman, well, credit to him. He's been in terrific form. Uh, he won the, the Yarra Valley Cup last start and 
He's backed that up, taking out the uh, the Easter Cup now as well. As I said, Persan, really, really good. Mahamadeus as well. He's, he's another one who's in for a, a good winter campaign. I'd say you'll try and pick through those um, uh, those open handicaps on those softer tracks. I thought um, Amadei ran really well, running fourth, a horse who hasn't raced for a couple of years. It might be one to keep your eye on come November, October and November. And um, away from that, Ladon de V, very, very good support for him uh, in betting and maybe just went a little bit too hard in front. He's been up for a while, Hagman. He must have a good constitution. He he commenced back in the spring of last year. He ran in the Paris lane and, well, he hasn't missed a beat since since then. But uh, Mike Maroney's saying that he's more than likely to come to the Dooman Cup, which is on the 22nd of May. Of course, our carnival kicks off on May 1. But Hangman, the winner there yesterday. Why do they not have any sectionals at Caulfield? I'm not sure, no. They, I, they don't have them up again. No, they never do. Okay. They never do. Can you work on that, please? Okay. So one job you can up. do. Let's take a break here on Past the Post. We're going to come back and uh, look back at Oakbank yesterday and also the meeting at Eagle Farm. Stay with us. Thanks for your company. This is Past the Post, Sunday, April 4. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Of course, last year we missed the Great Eastern Steeplechase at Oakbank due to the COVID pandemic. We didn't run the carnival last year, but it was on yesterday. Let's have a listen to the replay with Brett Davis. ZM levelled up. Eyeballs Pentelligentsia. Three back to spying on you. ZM's out on his feet. So too Pentelligentsia. Spying on you's behind them. Three links, two links. He's closing. ZM's get to the front. But spying on you's coming home like a train. Spying on you's running through underneath ZM. Then Pelotentia. It's spying on you from ZM. Pentelligentsia. And spying on you had the sit. He'll take his second Great Eastern. Spying on you by four lengths. He cuts down the defending champion ZM. Three back to Pentelligentsia. And then 150 metres away to Ascot Red. Last of all is underground fighter Grant Young won the Great Eastern Steeple on Bruskin as a rider in 2000. He's won it again here today with spying on you his second victory. Yeah, great call there by Brett Davis and another great spectacle too. We saw that great battle during the week at Oak Bank with uh, ZM and uh, Yenser. Yenser getting the better of ZM. And again yesterday, ZM, the favourite, had to play second fiddle, but to a South Aussie. So it was a local victory with Spying on You winning, of course, trained by Grant Young and ridden by Tommy Ryan. Exactly. Um, yeah, great thrill or great watch that it is, jumps racing. Uh, again, you know, a race that's gone for, what, six minutes and 17 seconds with only five horses. Uh, of course, Underground Fighter came down as well. Ops didn't finish, I should say. Um, and, and we're sitting there with... 300 metres to run, bated breath as they, they, they fight out the finish. So spying on you, he's able to get the better of, of ZM and uh, Pentelligentsia back in third. That's one thing you've never done, call a hurdle or a steeple yet? No, no, <laughs> yet. <laughs> I've done one. I did a, a, a hurdle at Victoria Park. I said to Terry McAuliffe many years ago, I said, I've never called a jumps race. He said, well, call this one. It was the first race of the day. And uh, I didn't realise Terry had a very bad set of binoculars. Oh. And I had to call them with one eye. One eye closed, one eye open over two miles. I remember David Hayes trained the winner. I can't remember the name. It started with T. But but, uh, but it, it, there's a, a special art to, to, to broadcasting those races. And if, you, if, if, you're, if you're a great jumps caller, they, 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 it really stands out, you know, as, as we know. And uh, uh, yesterday was, was great to watch. Uh, the crowd probably not as big as what it normally is because the carnival's changed now. We're on this Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday routine. 
But there were still a lot of people there, infield as well, and it was great for South Australia to win with, with spying on you. We might just take a, a short break if we can. We're going to have a chat with Grant Young. Grant's just tied up at the moment. I don't want to move on to Eagle Farmers yet, but we'll just give Grant a little bit of time. We'll take a break. Stay with us because this is a great story about spying on you, and we're going to hear it after this break. Past the Post on Radio Tab. We're talking about spying on you, winning his second Great Eastern steeplechase at Oakbank yesterday. His trainer, Grant Young, is joining us now. Grant, good morning. Congratulations. What a triumph this must be for you for yesterday. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me on. And um, obviously, uh, yeah, fantastic result, wasn't it? Um, great old horse. He's, like I said to Terry McCulloff yesterday, uh, you know, he's, he's taught me a lot along his journey and... Um, we're not not quite done yet. We've got the uh, Grand National uh, to finish him off, sort of for his racing career. But yeah, yesterday was just uh, something really special for us. We turn the clock back. He began his racing career under the care of Russell Cameron back in April of 2013. Here we are now, eight years down the track. You've had him. You've had him since uh, I think about mid 2015. Just give us the background. How you came to get this this old warrior? Well, I think he, he came up on a yeah, online auction. But, uh, a client of mine in, in, that lives in Melbourne, and uh, uh, and he just popped up on the site, and um, so um, yeah, Roy Roy Bloodstock um, purchased him, and um, uh, yeah, the rest is basically history. That's that's how he come come across. So I actually worked worked for Russell Cameron uh, years ago when he was at Morphville, and he moved across to Melbourne with him for a little while when he when he had a horse called Toledo in work and. Um, so I knew Russell and I spoke to him about him and um, he, he sort of rated the horse as far as jumping-wise goes and Russell not being a noted j- jumping trainer sort of he pointed me pointed me in the right direction, I suppose you could say. Yeah, you mentioned Toledo, won a Stradbroke handicap, Toledo. You, you, you've had this fellow, as I said, since mid-2015. He's been to Oak Bank every year, 16, 17, 18, 19. We didn't race there last year. You won it in 2017. I was just looking through his, his CV this morning. It's a long CV, but it seems yeah. to be a fairly consistent practice. You you run him, sort of has the spring out, and then you start to build him up again. Yeah, that's right. So we, um, so as, as a rule, we we put the miles into him. We get him out there, and and, and normally, you know, he he generally wins a couple of flat races, nearly every prep um, over ground, and and as a rule, it's at the right time when he's when he's sort of going into the into the jumping season and. Uh, tough horse. He's he's actually um, had three suspensories this horse. So um, to get him back up for this last one, it's um, been massive. And even even probably early in his prep, probably for the first month, he was he was not travelling great on him on his on his legs. And uh, uh, we just got him out into the roads under the nice firm stuff and hand walked him. Then uh, we we built that up to a ride around the roads. And um, I don't think he, I think he went out there the other day, but yeah, he hasn't hasn't been doing much out there since. And uh, he's he's very very sound now. I was, we were talking about yesterday. Sometimes when I speak to trainers, I'll say it was an easy watch. It was a painful watch. I suppose yesterday it was a long watch. I mean, over six minutes. But yeah. how, how was your confidence levels in running? Did you think you'd get ZM down? I'm never confident watching those sort of races. Um, people say to me, uh, you know, you don't get very nervous before before a race or anything like that. And I, and I, and I actually don't. I suppose it's because of spying on you. I've, I've had to endure, um, I think, three or four Grand Annuals and, and the same with the Great Easterns. There, they're pretty tough watches, and ZM's a a, a really good horse, and um, 
uh, you, you just uh, you just know that he, he's he's not going to just stop. He'll just keep coming at you. And um, we just had to be close enough yesterday. And and I think that's testament to to Tommy Ryan to give him a, a real peach of a ride. And um, uh, probably probably missed the boat on him a couple of times at Warnable. You know, I think if you if you're close enough, he can he, he'll he'll definitely finish off strongly on the flat. What about? Uh... Of course, you, you're very successful as a, a flat trainer as well. Is there a, a different method with training jumpers to, to flat horses? I don't think so. Once you've got them there, mm. um, you know, you, you, you nearly, you know, he, he all he did uh, for the last week, or I'd, I probably I pushed in probably six k into him on the on the Wednesday uh, morning early while it was nice and cool, um, and um, and then after that it was basically just uh, treating like any other horse. But I think. Um, Early in their prep, you've got to you've got to put plenty of legs into them, um, and and then you can sort of bank that. And as a rule, these good old steeplechases, that that sort of residue fitness, like that the early stuff that you that you do with them, really shows uh, shows late in a race. I remember uh, my good mate Terry McCall, if you mentioned him before, he said to me it was a couple of years ago, spying on you was in the the grand annual of Warnable. He said this will run a place this horse. I said it's huge odds. He said it'll run a place. Gee, it was a long watch, mate, and we got into the place third that year behind gold medals. Correct. Yeah, it was a huge run, and that's what I mean. Like he, he just loses touch on those uh, on those different tracks. Where, where, where I think it's more so where it's downhill. He he really doesn't really handle the downhill running, mm. um, and so he can lose touch. And um, he was he was actually going really good if you watch that race, and until he got to the Tozer Road double where it was down the hill, and and then he really lost touch of him, and then and then he started to work home. Good, you wouldn't have got a horse working home as good as as what he was in that race, you know. Um, um, so, yeah, that's, uh, uh, they're, they're good, good fun to watch, that's for sure. It's been, a good, it's been a good carnival. We've seen some great racing, uh, particularly that, that duel on Wednesday and, of course, yesterday. This brings me to a, a broader question. And, I mean, I visit Adelaide a lot, and the one question that always pops up in racing circles is, is jumps racing viable for South Australia with a small pool of horses? Now, Maybe you're the wrong person to ask, but also maybe you're the right person to ask. I'm interested in your thoughts. What do you think about South Australia and jumps racing? Uh, our biggest problem, you know, everybody says the pool of horses. It's our biggest problem here in Adelaide is is riders, mm. and it's been a been a massive problem for for quite some time. Um, even when when I was finishing off my riding career, it was it was a problem then. I, I would have three or four. Horses to choose from. Um, well, Adam, most of the time I chose the wrong one. Um, uh, you know, if, if we can get riders, it's it's definitely viable. Um, uh, it's it's. It, I, don't, I think if you you have a jumps jockey at nearly every track, you, you get people schooling horses, and all of a sudden your numbers will will rise. Um, it's just a case of um, being able to get riders. That's all. I mentioned at the start a, a triumph, and there must be a lot of fulfilment in this yesterday because. Not only winning a feature race, I mean, it's a signature jumping race in Australia, but the fact that how you have to manage horses like this, he's rising 12, and to get him right for the day to win over nearly 5,000 metres, you must have left Oak Bank yesterday feeling pretty good with yourself too. Probably the best I've felt, even a race course, I tell you. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a pretty big effort. Um, you know, like I said, he's had three suspensions, so so you're always watching those too. Like, um, is he going to go? You know, his next next piece of work, is he going to go on you? Um uh, and and you know that's his first jumping race this time in, 
Um, you know, we, we've given him the nine runs, I think, on the flat, and um, and he and he looked to have peaked really good, sort of, you know, the week before on the Sunday over 2,900 metres. Um, he showed glimpses, a few little glimpses, um, in a couple of those earlier flat races that he that he could be getting getting somewhere near right. Um, but then he, he normally had had run better on the flat, um, and and he just wasn't, you know, doing that until the Oak Bank Sunday week and. Um, then he went into a, a, a great east, and like you said, 49.50, uh, his first jumping race for the season. Fantastic. That's a wonderful story. So he's 12 next season. Does that does, does his career come to an end? Are there rules on ages with horses? Yeah, so that counts him out um, after August the 1st. Um, so so that's why, we've, you know, his, his next uh, sort of, the next plan with him is to basically reload. I won't turn him out. He'll probably stay around the stables. He'll have a real easy two two or three weeks. And then we'll reload and maybe go to a Thackeray with him or, a, or a, an Australian steeple. Um, and then more than and then his last one will be the um, the Grand National. You know, he's been really unlucky not to have won two of those. He's, he walked into Sea King his first year, who only just beat him. He, we, we led... We led jumping the last by five. Sea uh, King's a champion, and then we then we walked into Talio Twinkle Toes the following year, um, and he and he ran a gallant second again. You know, um, uh, so uh, Grand Nationals definitely um, not out of his reach. Um, it's just um, yeah, unfortunately that, that'll be the end of him. What a fitting finale would be. I think this is a wonderful story, and I think it's quite timely that South Australia was able to win the. The Great Eastern Steeplechase yesterday. Tremendous effort by horse, tremendous effort by jockey, but also tremendous effort by trainer. Congratulations, Grant. As I said, a great story and job well done. No, thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Grant Young, the trainer of Spying on You, who uh, at 11 years of age won his second Great Eastern. It is a great story, isn't it? Oh, very, very fitting. You know, he's not going to be able to race from, from August 1 and to win, you know, his, his home state feature jumping race. It's a, a very big effort and and really, as you touched on, a satisfying victory for the time and effort that goes into these jumpers, oh. having to build that, you know, early base of, of fitness and then and sort of working through those gears, you know, running in those those unsuitable races early on in his preparations to uh, to get them peaking on the day. It's a big effort, so I, I think he deserves a, a lot of credit, Grant Young. I can understand the fulfilment would be sky high. Let's turn our attention now to Eagle Farm. We had nine of card yesterday. The race that probably created most interest was the smallest field of the day. It was a five-horse, three-year-old quality. Here's the replay. Kissakata led the way from Apache Chase. Then Taikinini coming between the pair. Mass destruction wider. Got a kiss not running on. Kissakata's got the lead still. Taikunibi might be the danger. Mass destruction out wider. Kissakata in front. Up went Taikunibi. Taikunibi now move clear. And she's back winning again. Taikunibi first. Kissakata second. Mass destruction third. Apache Chase fourth. And got a kiss the worst run of her career last. Yes, Tycoon Evie successful, a last to first finish. She'd been freshened, which had a long break. She won those back-to-back city races during the summer in February. Uh, a short break and then back in winning action yesterday. Back to 1,200 metres too and from last. Exactly right. I know they went um, pretty slowly up front. You see that 33.91 last 600 metre section. But, I mean, you watch the replay. She was a couple of lengths last. Uh, at that 600 metre point, she's a, a really, really big job to run them down. And, you know, a smart horse is Kizakan. I know she had the big weight, but she rocketed home that last um, 150, 200 metres. She certainly did. Her trainer is Rex Slip. He knows the horse better than anyone. And 
He's been kind enough to join us this morning on Past the Post. Rex, good morning. Congratulations. Thanks, David, and good morning to you, people. What about... Uh, have you have, have, have a great day at Easter. Yes. What about yesterday's win? Uh, yesterday's win tells me something about this filly, uh, that expect the unexpected. That's what we often do with good horses or above-average horses, expect the unexpected. Now, I know you didn't go into the race with your confidence sky high, and as it turns out, and I reckon, I reckon you're a little done kinder, Weavy, because you, you, you said uh, you know she ran on with the pace, but Rex, you look back at it, they didn't go that hard. It was deceiving watching the race, but the times say they, they went slowly. She's run a super sectional that last 600 metres. She has. She has, David. Look, I, I, I was probably, you know, I, I was probably covering me, covering me tail a little bit, but uh, no, look, yeah, I just didn't quite know quite how fit I had her mm. because she spent four, uh, she had 14 days out of, out of my spelling property and uh, and did very well. So and I just worried about just how I had her. But her, her mission isn't just that race on Saturday. So, you know, there's, we expect a lot of improvement in her. I think I described it as a, as a pleasing return. The other thing I like, I learned from yesterday, and you're learning all the time with these horses, she's a very adaptable and versatile filly. We've seen her on speed win up to a mile. We've seen her, like you say, off speed winning over 1,200 metres. You can put her anywhere into a race. Well, that's the beauty of it, though. She's, she's a filly that you can just do anything. Whatever you want to do, she'll do it for you, which is a big plus. Uh, in staying races, I mean, if there's no pace on, you can be there. There's a lot of pace on, you can hang back, and she won't, she won't pull or do anything stupid. So, we, you know, she's a very uh, adaptable filly like that. She's, she, you know, she's probably a trainer's dream when it comes to uh, putting her in races and uh, and virtually give an open book to the jockey to uh, do what he thinks in the situation where, uh, like it was yesterday, like we thought of the I, I just could imagine it wouldn't have surprised me if they wouldn't have put any pace on at all yesterday mm. early and uh and which they did they went quick there for the first couple hundred meters and just and then they then they pulled up so you know it's it just goes to show you that feeling you can put her anywhere and uh, she's quite happy to do what you wanted to do well she's going to tell you evie's going to tell you where her grand final is or what her grand final will be because um her, her path is fairly well publicised. We go to the Princess and then the Bracelet at the Gold Coast. And as we go along this path, she'll tell you whether she will stay or whether she's, you know, uh, worthy of, of being in the Queensland Oaks. What's your gut feeling? Look, on breeding, no hope. Yeah. On breeding, no hope. But I, I learned that years ago from uh, Neville Beck and uh, Tommy Smith when you hear him talking about different horses. You ignore the breeding. You you look at what the the animal is capable of doing. And I can never remember Neville sitting down there one morning and he said, "If you can get a, if you can get a filly to settle and go to sleep, you can do anything with them. Whatever you do, don't rev them up early." Mm. And that's a, that's something that's stuck in my mind from you know, ever ever since he told me that. And uh, you know, I've, you know, on on breeding, she shouldn't go any past any probably fourteen hundred metres. But I, I just well, the way she goes to sleep just is a natural, just long striding, quiet filly. I just think she could be. She is a can at this stage. She's an oaks candidate. Yes. Mm. 
Well, of course, she's winning Rupert's uh, full sister, so I, I, I get what you mean by the breeding. It's worth pointing out, too, and I, I suppose you're aware of this, the Oaks this year is not 2,400 metres, so uh, they're not going over that traditional Blue Ribbon distance, but it's 2,200 for the Oaks. What about, um, give us the, the, the background to, to her. Did she go through a sale? What's her, her background as far as that uh, selling an ownership? No, Jeff Cullen, he um, is, is the major owner in the, in the filly. And he bred her. He bred winning Rupert. And uh, unfortunately, he lost the mare. But uh, he's got a, uh, a capitalist filly. She's in two-year-old in work here now. So she's a three-quarter sister to this filly. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, he lost the, the mare. The mare, he lost the mare and uh, he, he bred her. And it's a funny thing. This is the first filly, first horse I've trained for Jeff. But I can go back probably seven or eight years ago when uh, might even be longer when our, our daughters were riding together in the inner school competition. And he kept on saying to me, then I was flying, but then at those stages with good horses, he said, I'll give you a good filly one day. Yeah. It's a bit of a story to it. And anyway, uh, he's given me a good filly, all right. Certainly has. Just stay on the line. Stay on the line. I want to replay a race from yesterday, race seven of the day. Just stay with us. Here's race seven replayed Eagle Farm. In the home straight now, short of 400 left to Rana, and the leader was Junction. Renzay is looming menacingly on the outside. She's a boss, gives Renzay a fairly healthy start. Down towards the 200 metres, though. Renzay on the outside, raced up and hit the lead. Junction fights on. It is stride battling away. Look at it, it is stride. A cargo flashing late. Do I believe this? I do! It is stride! The old boy has won and beaten a cargo. Renzay peaked or Junction. Then she's a boss, uh, JJ Dar ahead of it. And the last pair, top prospect and love struck. What a day for Rex Slip it's been. What a day it was for you, mate. Rex Slip uh, training in his stride as well. No, it was, a, it was a great thrill to see the old fella come back and um, and win a race like that. Look, he's had his, he's had his not major problems, but just niggling the little problems. And uh, eventually, uh, probably in his health more than... More than uh, all his legs, he's never been. He's been a sound horse. He's been never been sore in his life. It's just a couple of other things, and we've got him right. Or hopefully, I've got him right. And uh, and I do believe at this stage that was his one song. Mm. But I haven't spoken to the owners. They were on cloud nine yesterday, so I really don't know what uh, what the future is for the old horse. Well, all I can guarantee you, we'll go to a great home. If he doesn't go to a great home, he'll stay home here with me. That's what he's been to me. Wonderful. And he's a, he's a, a lovely natured horse, so I, I don't think we'll have any trouble finding a lovely home for him. No, he his last win was, I think, nearly a year ago at the Gold Coast. That's when we were racing there during the COVID times. That was April. And his last city win was actually the Ascot Handicap at Dooman back in 2018. So, yeah, it's been a long time between drinks, but uh, when they're... When they're part of the family, um, it's hard to uh, it's hard to part with them, isn't it? Well, it is, David. But I mean, you look at his you look at his form. I think it's eight first, eight seconds, eight thirds, and nine fourths. So in those second, thirds, and fourth, he's never far away. He's never been far away from the winner, which is uh, him, you know it just gives you that little bit of encouragement to uh, keep popping away with him. And uh, and, and now and then he just does pop up with a win for you. The good odds and, uh, and the boys like having a little bit of a 
they are not big punters. They have, you know, they'll have their ten dollars on multis and all that sort of thing and throw him in. And because when he does get up, they have a nice win. He's always at a good price. Was Trevor Fraser's wife dies a part mm-hmm. owner of, of Innes Stride. Trevor was uh, at the Burnborough Club recently, and um, it was his birthday. He won a raffle prize or something. And I said, the only 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 person, or so the only thing older is Innes Stride in, in human years. But uh, uh, he was able to to prove everyone wrong and win yesterday. But uh, if if he if it is his swan song. He's gone out on a winning note. We'll keep in touch, Rex, with Tycoon Evie. She's a great prospect for Queensland with this carnival coming up, and we wish you continued success with it. All right. Thanks, David. Good on you, Rex Slip, joining us there. In his stride, eh? <laughs> knocked, knocked everyone out of the quaddy. Oh, exactly right. But as you say, if it were to end after yesterday, 84 starts, eight wins, eight seconds, eight thirds, as Rex said, and around about 880000 in prize money. So he's been a... A very good horse for a long time. And, and Tyke and Evie, gee, she's a promising filly Ooh. running through brick walls for, for Rex. And exciting to see what she can do in the next couple of months. That's what I said with good horses. You expect the unexpected. They do things you don't expect them to do. There she was back last, slowly run race, delivered a great sectional. Now, here's a question without notice for you. Uh, in his stride, uh, we're talking about spying. No, don't, you can't go to the, no, don't go to the screen. Who did? Who ran uh, Innes Stride his first start in the race? Who I, won? I remember it vividly. Hardline uh, won the race. You researched this, didn't you? So. No, I, di- I didn't research it. It was funny sitting there. Mum and Dad got a share, and she's a boss. And I said, just to give you some context, um, Innes Stride made his debut in the same race Hardline did back in December of 2014. It yeah. was a horse we were involved in as well so it was a good horse for you too he, he was he, he won the crack a million over in uh over in new zealand but this bloke in his stride gee just keeps uh keeps putting in it and as rex said he, he's never beaten far that's the thing he, he's always yeah. you know he, he's not always first second third but he, he he's always around the mark let's have a listen to race nine at eagle farm yesterday this was the last race of the day the sprint Iconic star by the 400 metres led the way. Kylie's moving up strongly. La Palmier trying to go between the pair. Then came How Wonderful Life is. Pizzoni at this stage not doing enough. And Kylie's ran to the lead. La Palmier giving good chase. And Air Spirit from the back running on strongly. Kylie's has got a narrow lead. La Palmier's in for the fight. Kylie's, La Palmier. La Palmier went out best. Big Kylie's. Air Spirit third. How Wonderful Life is fourth. Then came Devil's Marbles, Bold Style, followed by Defence Missile, Iconic Star. Pizzoni did nothing today, then click, and Wernpar last over the line. Tony Gollum had four runners. He placed first, third, and fourth, but the one that was most fancied ran the worst of the, the quartet, which was Pizzoni. But La Palmier, that's his sort of go, a fresh and short, short course, and I like the way that he came from behind and won. Exactly right. It looked it was going to be that way. The battle of the two um, Golan run or the main two Golan runners, I should say. Pizzoni went off three sixty in favourite. La Palmier four forty. Both had support. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Just to, to sit off one in, in Kylie's and and also uh, just be able to, to rush her on the inside. Kylie, she she ran really well again. Fifty nine kilos. She's now had five starts with uh, Dan Hoisted team and. She's um, a win and, and three second placings now, so uh, so she's in in very very good form and, and racing well. And Air Spirited a bit of a price running on well to to grab third. Uh, that was the actual Eagle Farm clearance sale one yesterday. Got a funny feeling we may not see much more of clearance sale. Hong Kong may be beckoning, but that's something to come down the line. Jared, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks very much, David. You'll be at uh, the Bundaberg Greyhounds tomorrow, Will weather do. permitting. Of course, speaking of weather permitting, of course, uh, we're scheduled to race at Duma tomorrow. There is a lot of rain uh, forecast, uh, so we'll see what pans out there. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Duma or no Duma, don't forget tomorrow morning, select racing service.
on Easter Monday. Thanks for your company this morning. On behalf of Jared Wessel, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.